Welcome to the Speckled Truth Podcast. This is the only show dedicated to the conservation of the trophy trout population from the East Coast to the Gulf Coast. Here, we go below the surface to discuss what happens when science and anglers work together for a cause. So gear up with the crew as they talk about all things big speckled trout. Get ready for the slimy, salty truth, better known as the speckled truth. Hey everyone, welcome back to another season of the Speckled Truth Podcast. This is Captain Chris, and I want to say thanks to everyone who made season one such a really a, a resounding success. I mean, we really didn't quite know what to expect, and so we embarked on the journey, and we were super excited. And we got to talk to some amazing guests, hear some amazing stories, and we're back for season two. And so, like season one, and with episode one of season one, I had my pops on here, right? Because I told everyone that, you know, when it all starts, whatever venture we go on with Speckled Truth, I always have to throw it back to the OG, uh, my dad. And so, we're going to keep this a tradition, right? As long as the Speckled Truth podcast continues on, we're going to keep having my dad, Captain Charlie Bush, on a podcast as the first episode of that season. So, Pops, welcome back to the Speckled Truth podcast. Well, thanks, son. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's, it's a wonderful thing to know that I've still put my feet on the ground and I'm able to get out there and go after them. <laughs> And so I'm really honored. Yeah, to, you are uh, too, man. I'm honored. I really am honored to be uh, be on your show. Absolutely, buddy. So, man, we had some really awesome guests last year, and you kicked it off, right? I mean, you kicked us off in a really good way. We didn't really quite know what the heck we were doing, but thanks for, honestly, man, always being there for me personally, and I really appreciate it, and honestly, introducing me to the world of speckled trout. Well, you know, I listen to quite a few of your podcasts, and you guys are great legends, some great, great, truly great fishermen on there. And not only great fishermen, but great individuals, well, you know, great, great men who I really admire. I'm going to be quite honest with you. And so it's funny, you yeah. know, funny that you talk about that. This morning, I was coming out of church of all places, and, and a guy approached me, and he says, uh, have you talked to Chris lately? I said, well, I, I don't you say that. I'm supposed to talk to him tonight, as a matter of fact. He said, please give him my best. He said, and let him know I listen to his podcast almost uh, once a week when I take my walk. He said, I put my bugs on and I go take my walk and do my exercise. And I listen to the podcast. I said, I'll, I'll pass that on. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. Heck yeah. No, and I appreciate that, man. I mean, it's been cool to really get messages from all across the uh, coast really, uh, for people that just really enjoy listening to it and just kind of chewing the fat, you know, learning more about speckled trout and kind of listening to some really awesome stories, uh, stories of the past. Right. And that's like I told folks last year. So if you are joining us this year and you didn't listen to anything from, uh, season one, really the idea is, you know, yeah, we're going to get into some how to, and we're going to talk about tackle and techniques uh, but aside from that, we really want to kind of throw tribute to some of those stories of old, right? And, and and know that me as a younger angler and folks that may be listening that are younger anglers, man, there are people that paved the way. And so it's super important for us to know that, you know, you guys kind of laid the foundation for 
you know, pursuing speckled trout. And obviously some of the folks we talked to last year with regards to more so conservation, right? So that's what's really a, the cool thing about this podcast is not only talking, you know, about tackle and techniques and how to target big fish, but aside from that, really stories of old, man, stories of legend. Those are really cool. So anyway, but uh, tonight I want to talk because we were, we were talking and you said kind of something a while ago and when we were talking a little bit and you were kind of rattling off kind of some of your statistics for this year. And I really wanted to make the theme of tonight's show is really about consistency. Cause if anybody has been consistent as a speckled trout angler, it's you. So tell folks a little bit about kind of, um, how you approach, you know, speckled trout and well back up a little bit pops and kind of talk to folks, kind of what you were telling me regarding, you know, some of your statistics, your catch data for this year? Well, you know, I, uh, I got in a habit years ago. It's been, it's been going on now about 10 years that, uh, every year around January, I get a calendar for the year and it's from, uh, the Barataria group that, that puts out a calendar for Louisiana that actually shows the tide data at different locations, different stations throughout the state. Well, we kind of break the I use that calendar as my diary. And so I keep these these calendars. I've got about 10 years of them now, and that's my diary. And and I record each trip on that and plan each trip according to that, that calendar. So I know when the, when the moon phase, whatever phase the moon's in, what the tide's going to be for that day, I can adjust it. And, you know, through the years, I've learned to adjust mm-hmm. the tides in an area that I'm planning on fishing. So it's usually... A pre-planning trip that I uh, that I look at look, looking at my uh, my calendars. So I, I usually after the trip's over, to make the trip. I come back and I record the data. Uh, it, it's I've learned, mm-hmm. you know, from past experience that that uh, the best information is well kept information, and and so I, I record simple facts: uh, the wind direction the tide of the day, uh, the catch of the day, uh, the size, mm-hmm. and the location. The simple simple things with, with the area that I fished, where I caught them at, what time I caught them mm-hmm. at, and what the conditions were. Okay, now, if I go back and look at last year's data, it, it, it's almost, I mean, it's pretty, if the given con- same conditions, it's spot on. The fish are going to be in the same location. You know, or around the same the same area at the same time of the year. So this year, I kind of kind of went back over last year, recorded all my trips. I think I made about a hundred trips this year, um, mm-hmm. and uh, recorded the trips down. So I get an average catch of what I what I do per trip, and um, that data helps me just learn to become a better angler. You know, and so right. that's my technique that I use to record. Yeah. Now, last year, I believe, or when the years you were tagging all those fish for Tag Louisiana, I said it last year in last year's podcast, but I think you were averaging 43 trout per trip. And this year, you know, one of the things that you had mentioned is that actually your trout per trip has actually gone down. So what is your trout per trip uh, now? that you're fishing uh it's about 30 about 30 30 per trip 
somewhere up in that area, but right close right. to 30 per trip, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, now, mm-hmm. I know you tried something different though this year, right? I did. I did. I changed techniques a little different, you know? When I was tagging, mm-hmm. it was more about quantity and getting enough tags out there. And um, since the since the program kind of slid to the side a little bit, I, my, I changed my technique. I actually started fishing for bigger fish. Honestly, you put that in my blood. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can teach old dogs <laughs> new tricks, believe it or not. You really can. <laughs> so I started throwing different lures. And honestly, um, the quality of the fish got quite a bit better throwing different, different, mm-hmm. uh, different lures. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. So I, I learned a, a lot. And yet, you know, as the size and the quality of the fish went up, the numbers went down. So I think that's, that accounts mm-hmm. for it, you know, but as far as locating and, the fish, they, it's the pretty... fish were in the same general area. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's pretty consistent, right? Across every fishery. And that's the hard part to kind of describe to people, especially when they want to start targeting bigger fish is that you're going to leave bites aside, right? If you're wanting to target, target a bigger bite, you're going to leave bites to the side. Right. And so, uh, that's just kind of the nature of the business. So it's pretty interesting to hear that that's holding true. And you're kind of seeing that come to fruition, you know, um, where, you know, again, the trout per trip, and it's been very well documented over the years that you've had in the resounding success that you've had in these areas that even though you were fishing those areas for five, six years, man, those bigger fish were still there. They just, you weren't trying to catch them. You know, now you're trying to catch them. You're catching them with some success, but as a result, you're leaving that, that quantity kind of on the table per se. Right. So what are some of the techniques you were changing to though? Well, you know, I, um, I fished a lot more jerk breaks this year, be quite honest with you. Something I've, mm-hmm. I, you know, I used to, uh, top water baits and jerk baits, uh, jointed baits, uh, crank baits. Um, mm-hmm. I never was really in my wet repertoire. And, you know, I was primarily, and I probably still am primarily a jig fisherman. You know, if I want to locate fish, I'm mm-hmm. going to pick up a jig. I've got great confidence in that lure that I can locate fish with that jig. Now, as you say, and I and I and I, I really truly believe that the, the big fish, bigger fish, are there in that area. I just never targeted them. You know, I really never targeted them. Yeah. But uh, this year, I spent more time doing that. Now, was was there a particular instance where you actually saw, you know? Um, during a trip where, you know, you had the right approach for targeting bigger fish and catching bigger fish versus maybe some of the other folks that were in the, in the same area. Oh yeah. I mean, um, I made several trips where, uh, where I threw a jerk break can just consistently and other boats in the area would ask me, what are you using? What are you doing? You know? And, and, Honestly, it, it all attributed to the lure itself, the bigger bait, you know, where um, some of the folks are using live bait or, or uh, live shrimp, uh, you know, live bait per se. And, and I was able to cover a lot more area, I feel, with, with, with the jerk bait, you know, and I learned a lot about it. What, what particular tides uh, do you look for or, or have you noticed a correlation with bigger fish with tide range or tidal influence 
in that area? Oh, yeah. Uh, without a doubt, um, the area that I fish, mostly along the coast during the summertime, and we, uh, let's just go back and talk about the spring and summer. I, I, I really, really hmm. look for a, 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 a rising tide. I want a rising tide, mm-hmm. and I want it slow. I want very hardly any tide at all. When that tide is about ready to flip or coming to a standstill, like say you've got a fall and it's about ready to stop, that last half hour of that stop on that next half hour of the rise, I promise you, big fish. I mean, the quality of the fish is mm-hmm. incredible, you know, and it's funny. Those big fish, you, you, can, you can count on it that, I, that you can put big fish in a boat in that one hour period fish the whole next six or seven hours and never duplicate the size of those fish during that, during that time. For me, now that, this is just talking about me, the way that I fish, my style, my technique, the areas that I fish, this is what I've noticed. Okay. Now, you know, yeah. you may find it different from other fishermen. I know and I understand that, but the area that I fish, I can truly say that that, that slack tide area time is really my best time. And I found that the quality of fish is unbelievable during that time. And that's actually pretty consistent, Pops, across various estuaries. I mean, I've talked to enough people. Actually, uh, some of the folks that I've talked to uh, outside of Louisiana, uh, more so in Florida and here in Texas, actually call it the magic hour. Yeah. You know, where folks, like literally the bite will kind of go right from kind of being finicky or something happening or let me phrase it, nothing happening to all of a sudden something happening, right? right? And something happening in in a big way. And I think we've all seen it. You know, we may not have, you know, earlier in my angling days, maybe in yours as well, right? When you were teaching me how to fish, I can't say that um, we kind of knew what was going on. We just knew that we wanted to, (laughs) we got to experience it here and there, right? And so when we did, you know, we finally now having a little bit more, um, you know, understanding about how kind of the moon and the tide and, and so lunar all impact that. Now we have a little bit of an understanding that that magic hour does exist. Oh yeah. Right. Across various estuaries. So it's, it's definitely true outside of Louisiana, buddy. And so for folks that don't know, um, a pops fish is a, really a lot of the Southeast Louisiana complex, really from kind of the Beerus empire, all the way to kind of the Lafitte and Cocodry area. So really that whole Barrett's area complex in a West Delta. And so not a tremendous amount of tide. So Pops, if you can, just a little bit, tell people a little bit about kind of that area and, and maybe how much it's changed, you know? Well, Chris, it's it's uh, it's it's remarkable. It, it brings tears to my eyes to see it from what I remember it. I'll be quite honest. Um, you can go from week to week and see the change in, a, in estuary. Um, you know, some of the places that I've gone, I've, I've gone from week to week and, and, and seeing the destruction of our coastline is, is just phenomenal. Uh, and, you know, this year, too, also with COVID, we've had so many people that, that were out of work. It's a shame to say that, but, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, it put a lot more people on the water during that time. So there was a lot more interest in, outdoor activities where people isolated themselves and fishing. And, you know, so what it does, it puts an increased demand on certain structures that you normally fish 
instead of seeing maybe one boat the whole day or two boats the whole day, you might see 20, 25 boats. So the pressure on those fish was was tremendous this year. But getting back to the coast, uh, you know, it's 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 just sad. It really is. And I just wonder where we're headed, to be quite honest. I mean, I hope and pray one day that my grandchildren will experience some of that, you know, before I die. Really, I really honestly say yeah, that. Yeah, certainly. You know. Um, well, they will. They will, and if anything, man, get your booty over here and obviously come fish with us. But no, man, we'll get them back. And and honestly, Ramsey's experienced it, you know, plenty of times being with you. Sadly, when he comes fishing with me now, I mean, obviously, we're still looking for, you know, bigger fish. And it, it really is a testament to how good that Louisiana fishery is because he'll always say, you know, when he's fishing with you, you know, he really never has to, you know, work his bait because typically, yeah. <laughs> typically he's catching them every cast. And when he comes with me, he's actually having to work for a bite, right? And so sometimes he'll even take a break and let dad find some fish before he actually starts picking up a rod and reel again, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that is, I guess, the, you know, Louisiana and its bad day sometimes is really a remarkable day elsewhere, even in kind of somewhat down times for the coast. Now y'all have seen an increase in salinity this year because y'all have had so many storms, yeah. right? So, I mean, how has the fishing been this year versus last, you know, uh, as a result of those storms? Well, honestly, um, fishing this year was, was really very good. I'm be honest on, as far as I'm concerned, I thought the fish was outstanding this year. I thought, I thought, uh, fishing for a trip, uh, when I was, when I, when I'd go was very, very good, even though the catch numbers were down and, and like, like I said, I relate that to a different, the targeting the bigger fish, but, but I think overall the catch was very, very good, you know? Um, and, and like you say, I mean, we, we're spoiled in Louisiana. That's the problem. We're just totally spoiled. You know, uh, honestly, I, I truly like the thrill of the hunt. It's not necessarily catching Mm-hmm. you know catching those numbers anymore it's it's just a matter of being able to figure it out that to me that's even at my age it's just the thrill of being able to figure it out you know they're there you know somewhere you can make them bite you know and then when you get that bite mm-hmm. that's the thrill of it you know well i'm with you man i mean right so finally getting the thump is really that's the drug Right. The real and in part is really, oh, yeah. it's really, yeah, right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, whatever. Obviously on a big fish, you know, we're talking big fish. That's, that's a totally different story. That'll yeah. definitely get the blood pumping. Yeah. But, you know, typically in Louisiana, you catching, let's say those, you know, 15, uh, 18, 19 yeah. inch fish pretty consistently. Yeah. It's really just the thrill of the thumb, right? Boom. Yeah. And once you feel that, that's just the drug and you can't get enough of it, right? You keep doing it over and over and over. And yeah, it's uh, a drug. that's awesome, man. Well, getting back to your question, I, I really didn't <laughs> answer your question, but let me say this. Uh, I went last week and in an area that I fish normally this time of the year, I've kind of moved, I've kind of transitioned because the trout here in Louisiana are in transition right now. They're moving from the coast back to the inside waters. And because of the storms, I've noticed that the salinity in areas that I normally fish two months from now are very salty already. And um, last week, oddly enough, I, I caught a shark 
someplace I've never caught a shark in my life. Okay. Really? I've seen Jack Creval in interior marshes. I've never seen that ever, ever in all my days oh. of fishing. And it, the water, it, the salinity count is up quite a bit. So those storms drove that salt water in. How long it'll stay like that? Probably not long. But, uh, but it was, it. You don't think? I mean, you don't think that'll stay the. Stay well, I think long. it's be a great winner. Honestly, I think right here it's going to be a great winner. It's set up to be a great, great winner. Absolutely. Yeah, Baratari Basin looks, and uh, and the uh, Terrebonne Estuary look great. Phenomenal this year. Phenomenal. And I think that's across the coast, right? I mean, Lake P's seen a little bit. I mean, I've heard folks, honestly, wade fishing on the North Shore, right, in the lake. Um, you know, fishing the grasses uh, up there in the North Shore, and that's that's kind of a once every 10 year, whenever you get like a couple of storms roll through and you get some really drive that salinity in that area. It just goes to show though, one, how resilient uh, an estuary can be, particularly with a change in some environmental condition. And I think that's actually a pretty solid segue, man, to with regards to you being so consistent is you've been able to kind of adapt and modify your approach when we've had a lot of river water, you know, where we've had just a tremendous amount of fresh water in the estuary versus, you know, years like this year where there's just a ton of salt, right? Right. And so being able to kind of adapt and modify your approach. So if you can tell, tell everyone a little bit about, again, you've kind of talked pre-planning, you know, now you're on the water. What are you looking for? You know, and in how do you make a determination of, you know, going to this area versus, you know, the, the other areas? Well, you know, I, th- I think obviously, and all, all fishermen notice, uh, you know, first thing I look for is bait, you know, and, and I'm, I'm fish, I'm a trout fisherman and I know those trout love one thing more than anything else, finger mullets. They love those finger mullets where I fish. Uh, Consistently, I look for those mullets to flip. If I see a single mullet flip, single uh, finger mullet flip, I know those trout are going to be there. They may not bite right away, but they're there. So that's the single most thing I'm looking for. That and decent water, you know, you know, and 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 I'm blessed. Mm -hmm. Let's face it, I'm I've been retired a couple years, so I'm able to pick my days. You know, I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not. The guy that has to go every weekend. I did that for years, and you know that. We went, no matter what the conditions were, I took you out there, and we beat the water, regardless, you know. But now I'm at an age where I just I pick my days, you know, and so I'm at an advantage. So it's really not fair for me to discuss that because I'm really at an advantage. But like I say, when I'm on the water, those things I look for, I look for clean water, I look for bait. That's the most my primary thing things that I'm looking for. And I'll cruise and I'll travel so I find that. When I find that, I'll stop in an area, I'll fan cast, I won't spend a lot of time in that particular area. I might spend five, ten minutes. If I don't get a bite, I'm moving on. And then once you and you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's a funny thing, because you might you might fish an area, find small fish, you've got to move on. You're going to have a school of small fish. Move on. You're going to find you're looking for those bigger, bigger fish, you know, and naturally I'm looking for structure. How much do you rely on intuition? Like if you pull up to a spot 
and you just you kind of got a feeling, right? You kind of got a feeling yeah. it's going to be good. Do you rely a lot on yeah, that? Yeah, I'm 100 percent on intuition. I really am. I just, you know, I'm a hunch. I, my pre-planning is a hunch. I, depending on which way the wind's blowing, this is the area I'm gonna start at. And if I've and I've been out there and pull up to the area that I had a hunch on and don't even stop. Because when I get there, it just doesn't mm-hmm. look right. So I don't even stop. I just move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I rely on that a lot on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could pull up uh, the same, right? I mean, you honestly, it's kind of hard to describe, but you really get a feeling. I mean, it's like a, it's like a feeling. Like you just know something's about to go down in this area. Now, there's been a few times, obviously, actually more than a few times where it hasn't necessarily, you know, panned out. But on the same token is, is, you know, more often than not, um, it has worked out. And when it does work out, it gives you more confidence. And so when you get that feeling again, fishing with that confidence, to me, that's when I'm like, okay, here we go now. Like, I pull up to a spot, like you said, looking for bait. Okay, there's a little bit of water clarity, a little change. You can see something's going on here. Maybe a little current break. Uh, Just something, right? Something to kind of give you just this intuition that something's about to happen. Maybe see more birds in the sky, right? Maybe, you know, some pelicans diving or some birds working or or anything, right? And so I'm like you, man. I rely a lot on intuition. Personally. Oh yeah, I believe in it. But Absolutely. You're the master, that's for sure. Yeah. Hey, did your bird actually so let me ask you this. Did you did your birds feed today? My birds ate so good today, I gotta go fill a feeder tomorrow. <laughs> right. Yeah, for your so, <laughs> for your listeners so, out there, I'm really old school. I have three bird feeders in my backyard. I fill them up with cracked corn and bird feed because I'm cheap. And cracked corn, you could buy a sack of cracked corn for ten bucks. And so between my crack corn and my sunflower seeds, I mix it up and I put it in my bird feeders and I watch my bird feeders every day. And I will tell you this, believe it or not, those birds are going to feed at a certain time every day. Now they're going to, in the morning, they're going to feed, but then you might go three or four hours and you may not even see a single bird. And in the middle of the day or maybe at one o'clock at any strange hour, they're going to flock to the feeder and they're going to empty that sucker. Well, I guarantee you, set your clock 50 minutes later tomorrow, they're going to be there, same time, around the same time. And, and so, so let me tell you, I got that in the back of my mind. And so I might leave the house at 7 o'clock mm-hmm. to go fish for 9 o'clock because I know at 9 o'clock it's going to happen. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Let me let me ask you this then, going one step further. So today is sun, uh, Sunday, September 4th. Uh-huh. Uh, what time did they feed today? What time you said they ate really good today? Was there a certain time they picked up today that you noticed? I know you were at church, like yeah, I, you know Sunday's my day to church. Uh, you know I spent a lot of time in church on Sunday, but but um, what time did the moon rise today? Let, let me ask you I this: can... so you you uh, no no no, it's not moonrise. I can tell you because I, I already know the answer. Um, so I was walking with Ramsey this morning. There's a train. Yeah, you hit a train. And uh, <laughs> there's a train, but <laughs> I hear it, buddy. Here it come. No, um, but um, I was walking with Ramsey this morning, uh-huh. and he said, "Do you need to fill up my bird feeder?" And I said, "Nah, man." I said, "They they ate on it pretty good yesterday." And when I came back outside, 
it was right around like 11 ish, 10 30, 11 this morning. And it had probably like 30 birds underneath that bird feeder, just going to town on it. That's exactly. And so I walked out in, yep. I walked out into the cul-de-sac and I looked behind the house and guess what was setting? It was that moon, baby. It was there. And like you're saying, I mean, if people don't understand or realize that it's such a simple concept and they're like, man, you old school, you know, (laughs) that's witchcraft or whatever it is. Right. Dude, it, it works. It's science, son. I it it really does. It, I'm, I'm going to set up like a GoPro. Yeah, and time-lapse that thing because to, to prove your point and then really butt it up against Solunar and like the Solunar uh, phase. Because, uh-huh. man, it's insane. When those birds are going nuts, you can 100%, you know, a feed's going on. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you this. I never did tell you this story, but I got to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this on your podcast. When I was your age... I would be laying in bed on a Saturday morning sometimes when I didn't fish. They had a guy that came on the radio. His name was Herman Soloff. He taught a school similar to what uh, uh, Devin Demon does. Teaches fishing. And I, and I totally respect people that teach other people how to fish. And, you know, there's, let me tell you, it's, it's a science. Well, Herman taught me a lot just listening to him on the radio because he, he was knowledgeable. And he said, you know, he said, you can save yourself a lot of time and money if you only put into practice what I'm going to teach you. And he said about fishing. You could, you could spend hours of your day wasting your time out there when you can go at a certain period of time and catch a fish and be home. And he was right. And so the more I listened to him, the more I learned from him, you know, and the more I read about selling the tables, you know. And, and that that's one of the things that I write down that I keep in my log. I mean, most of the big trout anglers that I talked to last uh-huh. year, you know, from Dot J. Wright, Jay Watkins, McBride, uh, yeah, Bruce Ball, keep going, right? Um, Keith Nuttall from Virginia. All those big guys that, that target big trout, if you ask them if that's juju or if that's legit, so lunar being – uh, they will 100% agree that that is something that they keep in the back of their brain. 100%. They they live and die by it, and it's not. It's it makes total sense, yeah. right? And it's to your point where where being out there at the best time really will save you a lot of time, money, energy, and effort because you're going to be fishing primo waters during a primo time. So if there's a big bite there, particularly here in Texas or wherever you're fishing. That's the time to target that big bite. Yep. Hey, let me ask you this. How accurate is my fishing watch? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, <laughs> that's an inside joke, right? We, we talked. Man, that, you still got that damn thing? I, st- I got two of them. I got, I, got, I got one for a spare. I got one on my wrist right now and one's a spare. <laughs> so, I think it was Eric Nelson. Hopefully, Eric Nelson, man, listens to this. So, is that like the Mobile Boat Show? Um, and we were also, he came to the Alabama coastal fishing association when I did a, a talk there and I had mentioned something about your watch and Eric Nelson comes up to the back of the room. We had fished a lot of redfish events and stuff together and we're good friends. And, uh, he's, he's over there in the mobile area and he walks right up to me. doesn't say a word. He lifts up his sleeve, shows me his watch. I'm like, that's it. <laughs> And I lost that thing forever. And so for everybody's like, what are you talking about? It's this old Casio watch. <laughs> man. I don't think they make it anymore. I really don't. I think it's been discontinued for like a decade. It has been. Because yeah. I, I think if anybody had it, they would want it, right? Oh, yeah. 
but you would set that damn watch and it would show one fish, two fish, three fish, or four <laughs> right. fish. And it would give you the, yeah, the total number of fish. And it would coincide with the time of day where there would be like a feeding activity. Pops, am, am I pretty accurate in that? And then what would you always say when we get on a bite? What is my, look at my watch. <laughs> Spot on. Hey, look, I'll give you a case of point. I fished two days in a row to summer. And I was fishing. I had fished, uh, had fished till about nine o'clock, and it fished, it, 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 the bite had died off. Well, it was getting hot. You know, I usually fish till ten o'clock, and I call it a day. And I had a couple of boats around and with me, and I was talking to the guys there, and he said, "Well, I said I'm going." He said, "Man," he said, "You got your limit." I said, "No, that's okay. I got enough fish. I I only needed a couple for supper." I said, "But I told him, I said, look, if you hang around, I said, in the next hour and a half, the bite's going to be on, and you're going to catch your limit." Well, the guy kind of snickered at me and laughed at me. Well, I saw them the next day out there. And he said, yeah, and you know what the hell you're talking about, huh? I said, no, my watch just told me that. (laughs) (laughs) They're probably like, man, what is he smoking in (laughs) that boat? Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. But, uh, yeah, you know. It's 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 so much. This is a sport that uh, is so addicting. And, and, it, and it, you know, you know my motto: God, family, and fishing. I believe that is a yeah. secret to life. You know, I believe that. And I've instilled that in you, and I hope that you yep. teach that to your your boys. Believe me. Well underway, my okay. man. Well underway. But uh, it, you know what's cool though is it, it, it's really a testament to how much especially things in the natural world, how much they're connected, you know, I mean, from birds feeding in a feeder to cows grazing in a pasture to rabbits, maybe on the side of the road, right. Just being active. I mean, you pay attention to all that, even birds just flying. McBride said it best, man, we were fishing, you know, one of those days down in lower Laguna and obviously, you know, moon set and everything else. Wind was blowing but it was a stark contrast from what it was earlier in the day when really there was no water movement, no wind, kind of bluebird. Once it kind of, you know, conditions really kind of got unsettled, everything just came up and came to life. And before he stopped the boat, he's like, it's going to be on. I mean, (laughs) again, it's just one of those things where you just are kind of, you know, uh, just taking it all in. And you just know, right? So yeah. I guess if people are listening, are like, okay, these guys have rambled on enough. In short, it's it really applies to whatever fishery, to however you're fishing, what your fishing style is, et cetera, to just pay attention, right? To your to the natural environment, to the surroundings. And that can maybe, you know, tell you when, whether to move, whether to stay, right? Whether to change tactics or techniques because a feed is on, maybe you just haven't quite figured that out. So all these things are pieces to the puzzle. And that's to me, man, like now, like, like you were saying, you know, the, the thrill of the hunt to me, this is all part of that thrill of the yes, hunt it is. is once you can kind of put all the puzzle pieces together and in that, and then you catch fish. That's the juice. That's awesome. It is. That is. That's the gratification in it. That's a simple gratification of being able to figure it out, you know? Yes, sir. Yeah. Man, so what about the uh, passes? Are those back? 
Are any of the passes back over there in the west side? No. Or is that whole kind of barrier island, have they just built it up? No, they've built it up. Um, the, the passes have actually gotten a little larger, you know. Um, oh, yeah, really? the, uh, the, you know, full bypass is, is really, really wide open now. Um, uh, further down, Bastion and all that, you know, it's it's it, it's totally changed. I mean, the estuary that we fished years and years ago is just totally unrecognizable. Same thing in Coquitry. I mean, it's... Is Shell Island still a... Yeah, Shell Island still there? Uh, if, if sections, sections, Chris. Not not as you remember it, but sections. Mm-hmm. You know. Do you remember some of those trips? Oh yeah. Do I remember some of those trips? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I remember. I remember a bunch of them. Which one stands out to you, man? One of those surf trips. The one, the, the one that stands out the most to me, I think. Uh, you know, we caught so many fish. Um, and, you know, we had a have had many fish that we caught, but. I think one of the one of the, it's two that really stand out in my mind more than any, and and um, one we took the old mullet smasher, and um, we had uh, it was you and I, and uh, oh another gentleman. It was three of us. He couldn't fish at all, but was that Brandon? He, I, oh, that was um, oh, Joanne uh, okay, friend. Uh, uh, I can't think of his name right now. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Anyway, we fished. Yeah, I got we you. Weighed yeah, fish, I we weighed about. fish those troughs out there near Bastion. And we we happened to stand in that one trough. And I think we stood in that trough for like four or five hours. We didn't catch a lot of fish, but the quality <laughs> of those fish was just yeah. phenomenal. I you remember that trip? And we broke down on the way coming oh, in. I know exactly what we're throwing. You remember that, huh? Oh yeah, I know exactly where we're throwing. You know where we're throwing? Uh, I think it was a deadly Dudley Blue Moon. Nope. No, what was it? It was a smoke grub, man. Smoke grub. The old, old smoke grub. Chartreuse said, "Old faithful." Yep. The bite was so light that day; it was incredible. It was mm-hmm. so light that it, it was just it was phenomenal. But that trip stands out in my mind. And one other, we fished. We, you and I had gone by ourselves. It was the two of us. And we had gone to Shell Island, and it was right at about 3 or 4 in the afternoon. And we stood around that island, and a seaplane landed. And you and I were throwing top dogs. And we stood on the end of that reef and threw those top dogs and just just consistently hammered those big trout on those top dogs. Remember that? Yeah. We had to go back in the dark. Uh I remember that, and and I I loved Shell Island more than any other spot we went. Yeah, when those passes were open, because man, it it always seemed to hold bigger fish. Yeah, it right? did, it did, it did. Like it was all shell on the backside of it was a little bit shallower, yep. right? So you could fish, and those mullet were always stacked up in there, and you could always comb through that with a uh, little structure with it, you know with the top water bit. It was so much structure. There's so many. So many rigs, uh, so many all, uh, you mm-hmm. know, dead end canals and, and things. All that's washed away now. It's all open, you know. Yeah. Totally open. So it's just a totally different estuary, but, you know, so. Yeah. Two, so two trips, man, stand out to me as well. So um, those, those two, I mean, I, there's so many, you know, uh, the ones we made at a Myrtle Grove uh, in September and December, and we'd be back at the launch. Uh, before people were launching their boat, uh, we'd just we'd, oh, 100%. Man, we'd launch before the uh fronts would come through. We'd time those fronts, man. We used to fish those fronts and we'd time those fronts, absolutely, man. 
So my two favorite surf fishing trips, man, were, uh, I actually wrote about one of them and that was me, you and Carrie when we went and that was the day that Jerry Garcia died. And actually I just wrote that article the day Jerry Garcia died. Yeah. And, uh, do you remember that? We stayed out there by you cook that night. Oh yeah. yeah. Dude, that was the, Carrie and I were just reflecting on that. And that was the craziest storm. We were out in the middle of the marsh at the time. There was actually marsh out there. Mm -hmm. And I remember sleeping so good that night and it was so scary. I don't know. It was crazy, but we fished all day that day. We didn't really do very well. And then we went back. There was a ridiculous storm that blew through. And I remember like having to go get the boat and everything else. And like, by the time I went to sleep, I slept so good. And the next day it took us a while to find them, but we finally went to Chelan Pass. And man, like, like we did that one day, uh, we just stood there and just caught trout after trout. And I remember Carrie and I just throwing two and a half, three pounders at each other. Like it was nothing like literally trying to throw them in each other's wading ring. Yeah. And we still ended up keeping like 50 trout. (laughs) It was crazy, man. Um, that was one. The other one was um, actually with uh, Brandon Treadaway and Tony Perez. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And we called that day the t- Toads. Remember that? Yep, I remember. And that was a pretty cool day because we ran all the way out to Bay La Mer and we fished there. And uh, we didn't do really any good. We, we had caught them really good there the day before. Nothing happened. And then we went to Shalam Pass kind of weighed fish both sides there. Didn't really do very good there. And also we went to Bayou Hurtis. Remember that when I was opened up Yep. in yep. Bay Joe Wise yep. and then just absolutely annihilated them. Yep. And that, yep. those are some really, really big fish too. Yeah. But man, such good times, man, out there at those passes. And I know we're reflecting, but I, I do that, man, with my pops uh, for folks listening, just because um, it's trips like that. Cause we've had so many good ones on pop. We have, and let me let me say this. You know, it it's kind of embarrassing for me to talk about those trips right now because because of the impact that that I had. I mean, the memories will last forever, but the amount of fish that we took out was ridiculous, and I'm embarrassed to talk about that. I'm ashamed of myself actually for for for, for catching that many fish. You know, we fed the na- we fed the neighborhood, and that was that was needless. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, it's it's tough you know, to talk but it, about. It was it is, but um, good trips. Oh yeah, uh, I, I, uh, I can honestly say though they've they've all made an indelible mark for me though in terms of how now I live my life and how much and how devoted I am to you know bringing people back to a or, or really giving back to a fishery right and promoting catch and release and conservation. It's to the point now where I really don't keep anything, not because. I don't need to. It's honestly, it's because I don't want to, and, and I want to give back to a resource and, and tell people that you know how much I love these fish, man. You know, and so if if people will understand like how much I really care about fishing for trout and trout fishing, um, they'll understand and and grow appreciative of that resource. And then when you can appreciate that resource like we do now. That's when you want to take care of it and you want to take care of it willingly, right. you know, at will. And so I think there's just a little bit of a growing phase that kind of every angler has to go through. We're just trying to curtail that a little bit with yeah. speckled truth. So there's no reason to be embarrassed. It's just like anything, right? You confess your sins, 
and you move on. Those were, you yeah. know, sins worth confessing because, man, we were gluttonous, right? I mean, it was ridiculous. Yep. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, it makes me very proud to think the way you think now because uh, that that makes me very proud. I'll be quite honest with you. You know, you, you're taking it to the next level. And I've always hoped and wished that you would, and you have. Are you trying? <laughs> Definitely trying, buddy. But yeah, I mean, I it can't can't be done, honestly, man, without you and mom, you know. So again, we really appreciate, I really appreciate the support and love that you guys have had for me um, in the podcast and Speckle Truth and writing and guiding and whatever, right? And so that's pretty cool to hear that you kind of wanted me to take it, you know, to the next level. I never really heard that from you, you know, until now. And so it, it makes me proud to kind of think that, you know, that, you know, carrying on that legacy, you know, for hopefully one day, man, we can look back and go, Hey, we, we really changed maybe some folks thoughts, you know, on how to take care of a resource and yep. maybe that resource is around because of that. Right. So that, that'd be pretty cool. You know, everything we do has a consequence, no matter what we do, good or bad has a consequence. Yep. And I, I hope and pray that one day in my life that I can look back and say that I've done some good is more so than I've done bad. And, you know, I've tried to import that philosophy upon you and i know you've you've taken it to heart and it shows mm-hmm. and for that i'm so proud of you to be quite honest i'm pretty sure buddy do you have any regrets man oh we all have a few regrets in life you know we always have a few regrets in life but no i've i, I have had the greatest greatest life a guy could ever have uh, i'll be honest if i die tomorrow i'd mm-hmm. be i've i've lived a full life absolutely but i've got my little fish to catch just getting started good oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, just getting seasoned up right hey man you still no. got one left to catch i ain't gonna lie a, and it, it's uh, one that's evaded you forever i hooked him last uh, year and too i hooked that fish and launched that fish last year and i and don't did. believe i don't think about a dream about that fish every night i'm telling you the fish of a lifetime i know that fish was a 30 i know in my heart i thought that fish anyway Always the one that got away, right? That's it, buddy. Well, again, like I said last year, man, uh, even more of a reason to get your butt back here. And so we can uh, swap some stories, create more memories. Absolutely. And honestly, man, get a chance to fish with you again. I mean, we used to fish 100 days a year, dude. And if I see you now five times a year, that's a lucky thing. Yeah, right. And that, that's right. not cool for a father and son to do, right? So we need we need to do that more often, buddy. I know, but we still get to do it. And, you know, and... The greatest thing part about it is we still talk once a week, at least once a week or twice a week, and we still relate mm-hmm. stories. So that's that's a good thing. We still have a yeah. great relationship. I'm very very happy about that. So well, buddy, uh, I know I've kept you too long, brother. Are you no, going no. fish tomorrow? No. Um, okay. No, I've got I've got to go eye doctor. Actually, uh, you know, I want to say um, <laughs> everybody laughs about rubber band line. I mean, there's a lot to be said about monofilament <laughs> for you old 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 guys out there. You know. All right. And I know so I, I know you I know you throw it. You know, I, I but I I still like to fish with y'all paw head 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 to head with my my rubber band line. I always think about Mike McBride laughing and oh. laughing and staring at me, my rubber band line. Dude, that monofilament it, it's kinda hard to go back to, I'm not gonna lie. Um <laughs> that braid is it's pretty nice. And if you want to have a little bit of shock, you know, you just change your, uh, your leader. That's pretty much about it, but you get so much more sensitivity, but I will say this, 
for folks who haven't fished with you. And if they ever had a chance to fish with you, I'll put my money down on you, brother. Even with your <laughs> overband line. You working that jig is like freaking magic, man. I mean, seriously, you look on the front of that boat, I still see you silhouette, man. I hadn't seen you in forever. <laughs> I can't even remember the last time I saw you, Pops. It was like eight months ago, man, before COVID. Yeah, it's been a while. You know, and yeah. um, I can still see you working that jig, man. Chewing your gum and working your jig. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Right? And That's right. I tell you. If there's a fish in that area and you got a jig on, I feel bad for that fish. It is is no match. So, um, well, I'll put you in rubber band line on anybody and don't change your ways, buddy. Don't change your ways. Well, I can't. I'm too old to, so. in, in one respect. But anyway, you know, that's a, that's, that's, that's another podcast on, on line. You know that? We talk well, about different. We braids. got season three, man. There you go. There you go. There you go. We can dissect that in season three, buddy. But uh, hey, man, uh, I I want to let you go, man, because I know it's getting late there, and I really appreciate you, you know, kicking off season two for me and for us here at Speckle Truth, buddy. And uh, I really do appreciate. It. I love you, dude. I really do love you and mom. And so, thanks for being on here one more time, bud. Well, there again, I'm honored, and I, and I love you too, son. I'm very proud of you, and thank you so much for honoring me tonight. I I do truly appreciate that. Look forward to fishing with you to, uh, during the holidays for sure, if not sooner. You got it, brother. All right, man. Yep. Give my yeah, let's to... make it sooner, man, rather than later. Uh, I'll have to get my butt over there. Give me a call when you get a couple <laughs> days off. You got it, buddy. We'll do All right, man. Good night. Love you. Good night. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for uh, just staying tuned. I love talking to my pops. And uh, always a pleasure, man, getting a chance to holler at my dad. And I really kind of discuss and, and reflect a little bit, right? Because it's what makes us who we are as anglers and, you know, shaped me as a man, as a father. And so I uh, want to say thanks to him. And anyway, I want to also thank our sponsors uh, for Mirror Lore, Texas Custom Lures, Original Custom Corky, as well as we picked up a new one this year, Real Sportswear. Really appreciate Real uh, showing some love for the podcast this year. And so if you get a chance for them, Definitely check them out. Support them because they support us. And as a result, they're supporting conservation and uh, talking about big fish. So anyway, until next time, guys, tight lines. God bless. Going to be a hell of a season two. Got some amazing guests. Stick with us. And uh, again, tight lines. God bless. Take what you need and release the rest. Take care.